Chick-fil-A feels like a pacifist to me. Like, they wouldn't fight. They would just be like, hey, you got this, man. Like, grilled onions, that's cool. We have lemonade. Like, you do you, I'll do me. Right? Here's the idea, though. When we as humans begin taking our experience and turning that into truth, what are we left with? What is the truth at the end of the day? What is the truth about the most important facets and things about this thing that we call life? That's what we get to talk about this week. Cool? Let me share a little bit more about who I am um, just so I can show you a cute picture. Do you guys like cute pictures? Praise God. This is my family. This is my family up here. Aren't they beautiful? It was a black and white photo. Uh, eventually, you'll see a picture of my family, but a couple, things, a couple things that make me who I am today. I have been married for 14 years. Yeah. Yep. Very proud of that. I have four... One, two, three, four children. I have four of them. And my oldest is named Mason. He's in eighth grade. That means he has a mustache. Uh, and some of you guys, and maybe some of you gals have mustaches too. Uh, and I've got a daughter. Now, it, this is scary for me. I, I haven't actually had to say this like in a camp setting before. But my daughter's in sixth grade, which I realize a lot of you are also in middle school. And if I catch you talking to my daughter, it's going to be like that In-N-Out Chick-fil-A thing in the octagon, okay? We're going to have a problem. Um, I'm just kidding. I have a sweet daughter named Marley. She's in sixth grade. I have a son named Max. He's back there. What up, Max? You say hi. He did a little wave. He's like his mama. Uh, Max, is, Max is by far the coolest kid. Oh, look. We got a picture. Uh, okay. So that's me. That's my wife, Katie. She's back there, too. Hi, Katie. And that's Mason. He likes to play basketball. And that's Marley. She likes to do gymnastics. And that's Max. And he'll do anything. Like, literally, he'll do whatever. He's not scared of nothing. And then that's Maylee. And she's back there, too. What up, Maylee? Anyways, that's my family. I also have, uh, I have two French Bulldogs. Um, Their names are Ozzy and Chance, but they might as well be nicknamed Fart and Throw Up because that's all they do, okay? All right. Now, as we get started, I need, you to, I need you to do something with me. I can feel the tension. I can feel the excitement. Some would call it palpable. You can feel it in the air in here. I can tell you guys want to talk. You're pumped to be here. Am I wrong in that assumption? You guys are excited to be at camp? All right. Here's what I want to do to kick off our time together. Before I even pray... Before I even open scripture, I want you to answer to the person next to you this question that I'm about to ask you, okay? And this question I'm about to ask you, I do need you to take it kind of serious, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me what you came up with, all right? But this is how we're going to kick off all of our sermons for this whole week at camp is with this question, all right? And the question that I want to ask you is this. I want you to turn to someone, just one person, and I want you to tell them about one person, one person in your life that you trust, that you trust, and I want you to tell them why. We're going to take one minute. Turn to someone next to you who's one person in your life that you trust and why. 
One person you trust and why? Awesome. Okay. Did everyone get to share with someone? All right. You, sir, in the uh, hideous Golden State Warriors hat. I'm just kidding. I like that hat. I like that hat. Uh, real quick, shh. what's your name? William, what church are you with? He's an individual. Give it up for individuals, guys, huh? Yeah. Hey, in a world, Daniel, right? William, right? In a world where William could have been anything, he chose to be himself, William. That is a good thing. All right. He's an individual. William, are you comfortable standing? All right, I want you to stand up. I want you to tell everyone, who's the one person in your life that you trust and why? Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know what, Will? We all trust your mom, too. We trust your mom, too. Okay, what's your why? Wait, because she's his mom. I like it. Thank you, William. Okay. Uh, purple. Your shirt is purple. What is your name? Would you, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. I can move on. If you don't want to do this, I can move on. Do this or this. Okay, this means you want to do it, though. Okay, we're going to move on. Let's go. Uh, okay, you have on, uh, I think it's a yellow tank top. You, yeah, you're you. Whatever. I can't hardly see. No, no, you're, yes. Just, yep. Yep, okay, what's your name? What is it? Why are you yelling at me? Bailey? And who do you trust? Your best friend, Max? Okay, we've got a list. And why? Okay, I, I heard half that, but you said your best friends. That's perfect. Let's do one more. Friendly looking fella right there. What? That's good. <sighs> hey, I'm just calling it. I'm going to call, I'm calling it now. There's going to be a day where he can't. Like, there's going to be a day where he's like, oh no, man. All right, one more. You. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida? Does your shirt say Florida? Let's go, Florida. What is it? Your mom. And what church are you from? What is it? Grace. Okay, so you trust your mom. Why? You just do. Yeah, it's fair. Okay, sit down. All right, I'm not going to take any more. You can tell someone else later tonight who you trust and why, but bring your attention back up here. Because here's what I want, to, I want to direct our focus to, okay? Here's what I'm going to direct our focus to. Uh, we don't need that picture of me and my family either. Uh, thank you. Okay, so here's what I want, to, I, want to, I want to turn your attention to something that I think is so important. Here's the deal. For the most part, if we, were, if we had the time to go through all 400 people in this room and say, who do you trust and why? For the most part, we're going to have somebody that we trust and we're going to have a reason why we trust them, okay? The entire goal of this week is to introduce God to that list of people that you trust and for you to have some solid answers as to why 
God is someone that you trust. There was a quote in that video that, that was perfectly tucked in there, so you may have missed it. But there's this quote by a gentleman named A.W. Tozer. The quote goes like this. What you think about God may be the most important thing about you. What you think to be true about God may be some of the most important thoughts that you will have as a human. Why? We're going to jump into that why. John chapter 1, verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's in your New Testament. It's the fourth and final gospel written by a guy named John. Okay? And we are going to be using this book to understand why God is trustworthy this week. And we're going to have some fun while we do it. John 1, verse 1. I'm going to read it. We're going to pray. I'm going to share three things with you, and then we get to have a good old time, okay? Ready, set, John chapter 1, verse 1. It goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him... All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. God, I ask for your very presence here in this room tonight. That God, as we'll come to learn this week, it is your spirit that discerns these truths of you on our behalf. And so I pray, God, that your spirit would be at work in this room, in the souls of every man and woman, every girl and boy, helping us to understand the depths, as Paul writes in Romans, the vastness of who you are. Man, camp is the funnest place there is on earth. We've got no parents. We've got time freedom. Every meal's a buffet. And best of all, Lord, we get to learn about you alongside of other people doing the same thing. I pray against distractions tonight. Help us to keep our wiggles to ourselves. Help us to keep our whispers to ourselves. Help us, God, to just take the next 25 minutes and focus on what truly matters the most. You. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So John chapter 1 starts like this. It says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. Does that verse sound oddly familiar to another verse that's in your Bible, any of you who have been around church for a while? Yeah, this verse is meant to be a parallel to Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, we, we hear these same words, that in the beginning, God. And so John is going to kick off this gospel, which you can think of it like this is going to be a narrative of who Jesus was when he was here on earth, written by somebody who saw the whole thing go down, right? Like, it's one thing for me to tell you a story about a time where my boat capsized and sharks were circling the water. And it's another thing for me to say, I wasn't even there. So, like, this happened, but I wasn't. I'm just giving you, like, a secondhand story. The Gospel of John is no such thing. The Gospel of John is written by the firsthand account of someone who was there, who walked with Jesus, who saw the miracles he did, who saw the healings, who saw all of it go down, who was there on that painful day where he was crucified, who was there on that beautiful morning where he was resurrected. John saw all of it. 
and how John chooses to kick off his account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is by reminding us of who God is. And in reminding us of who God is, John realizes, I can't keep Jesus out of this story because Jesus is God. Look at what he says. He says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now, it's important for you to know this if you don't already, but the Bible was written, this book in particular, in another language. And so some amazing scholarly men have translated this into a language that we would understand today. But sometimes in that translation, words don't mean what they meant in the original context. And so in order for us to get this picture, you have to understand that in John 1, he writes, in the beginning was the word. That word that he's referring to is a word called logos. Can you say that word logos? Perfect. You're bilingual now. Look at you guys. You can put on your resume. Logos translated in this context is Jesus. He's saying, hey, in the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And the word Jesus was God. The first thing, and I'm only going to give you three tonight. The first thing I want you to be thinking about at the beginning of camp is this. God is trustworthy because he created everything. God is trustworthy because he created everything. That's the very first idea that we're going to unpack. God is trustworthy because he created everything. Like I told you a second ago, John chapter 1 verse 1 mirrors perfectly the very first passage in your entire Bible back in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John wants to piggyback on that same idea to give his reader, as he introduces them to who Jesus is, a thorough understanding that everything you see here today was made by design. Everything you see here today has a creator. It has a beginning. It has a starting point. Everything that you and I can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and experience has a starting point, an origin story. John wants his reader to understand that because along with that origin comes some pre-existing truths that created all of it. Any of you guys into Legos? I feel like my kids are still into Legos. You guys still into Legos? That's like a kind of a hard thing. It's kind of like a hard, that's sort of like a, um, that's kind of like, yeah, my, my parents still like tuck me in at night. What about yours? You know what I mean? Where you're like kind of ashamed to admit it, but you also kind of love it. Like, yeah, I do. I, I may have a stuffed animal or two. You know what I'm saying? Like, I might have one or two stuffed animals, right? Here, here's the idea. My boys are so into creating Legos. Now, I feel like there's this progression, and, and tune out if you don't like Legos. Tune in if you do. But there's this progression. You get a Lego box, right? You get, like, the Star Wars X-Wing. Or you get, like, the Stranger Things upside-down set, right? Yeah. Okay, and then you meticulously follow the instructions brick by brick by brick to create something that resembles what's on the front of the box. But then what happens to that Lego after two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight months, couple years? It turns into pieces and goes into the bin so you can create other stuff with it, right? Never have I ever wandered into my son's room and, and have 
placed my eyes upon an incredible Lego city that they have made and went, huh, I wonder who made that? Did it come that way? Max, did that Lego come that way? He would say, no, I built it, or Mason built it, or you built it. What are you talking about? Right? But, but for whatever reason, we forget to think of life in the same way. Like, it's really easy for us to be removed from the story of Scripture during a day and age where church isn't cool, where Jesus isn't cool, where, where actually some of these truths that we're going to unpack this week have lent themselves to things like deconstruction, to things like doubt, reasons why people would walk away from the faith. But as I started with, the goal for us this week is to come face to face with the truth about who God is and why the world is the way that it is. And the very first truth that we have to grapple with is the fact that God is trustworthy because he made it all. In fact, if you were to turn to Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to, I will for you, maybe do this later this week, but if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, you see an incredible account of the world and how it was made. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The author of Genesis paints a picture that before anything was created, God existed. Therefore, everything that has been created has gotten its origin, its start, its creation from God himself. God is trustworthy because he's the creator of all things. John chapter 1, verse 2, second point we're going to hit on tonight. In reference to the word, the logos, which is who? Oh, come on, come on, come on. In reference to the word, thank you, just yell the name Jesus. It's like Sunday school. How could you go wrong? Have you just started yelling Jesus? You're like, yeah, you got it right. Perfect. It says in, in verse 2, he, in reference to Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The second thing that John wants his reader to understand about Jesus is that Jesus is not a part of God's created order. Like, it's easy for us to hear the words Father, Son, and Spirit and think that, like, there is a God and he's God the Father. And then he has, like, a Robin-type situation, right? You tracking with me? Like, favorite superhero sidekick? Anybody? Who is it? Spider-Man? He's not a sidekick. No. Listen, I was, I was going to teach a sermon, but now we've got to talk superheroes for a second. Okay, so a sidekick is like someone who's almost as good as the main character. So you got Batman, you got Robin. Okay? Now I feel like you're just yelling at me. So what, what, what John wants to do here is... You don't yell at me. You don't yell at me because I'll get scared. I'm going to get really scared if you yell at me. Here's the deal. What John is attempting to do here, friends, focus up. Listen here. What John is attempting to do is he's attempting to illustrate for you that Jesus is not God's sidekick. Jesus is not God's sidekick. Jesus is not an afterthought. God didn't look at the world being the way it was and like we saw put on display here during the opener. He didn't see Adam and Eve sin and go, oh, shoot, I need a plan B. All right, I'm going to make another person, but I'll make them better than all the others. No, no, no. Jesus was God. That's what he says here. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. The second point that I want you to ponder this week 
that's going to frame everything we talk about, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John, in giving his account, the history of who Jesus was, as he walked with him, they were friends. He wants his reader to understand that this Jesus is not someone who was an afterthought. That this Jesus is not someone who's God's sidekick. That this Jesus wasn't like the ultimate plan B, fix it all because I messed up in the beginning. No, this Jesus is quite literally God. And he was there at the beginning just as God was. Just as the Spirit hovered over the formless waters of the deep, God existed. God existed. There's this amazing passage, and if you want some extra credit, memorize this 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 week. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians 1, 15, it says this, that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. But wait, there's more. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Point one. God is the creator, therefore he's trustworthy. Point two, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. I think that there is something incredible that can happen in our souls this week if we understand that the subject by which this entire camp revolves around is someone who's real, is someone who knows you, is someone who loves you, like, God isn't just true to Christians. Think about this for a second. This God that we're talking about, he's not just real to me, but not you because you don't believe in him, if, if that's your stance or whatever. No, because in order for something to be true, there has to be an absolute nature to it. So if I believe God is real, and that's the only thing that makes him real, guess what? God's not real. But the fact that we can look at the created order of nature the supernatural nature of humanity, the sin-conquering, grave-punching, resurrection power of Jesus, and the transformation that the gospel provides for us serve to be evidences that what John is writing about is true. But unfortunately, most of us today fall into one of three or four categories when it comes to God. The first category is this. Like when I was a kid, I had sea monkeys. Any of you ever had sea monkeys before? They're this weird little like, <laughs> so into sea monkeys. <laughs> Get this person some sea monkeys. Um, I was really into these sea monkeys, which are technically just like tiny shrimp that they can mail you. Weird, right? But I remember I had this little sea monkey cage and you have to set up the water just right and you pour them in and they hatch and then there's like a little mag... Any, any, any 90s kids know what I'm talking about, right? And there's like, a little, there's like a little magnifying glass, and it was always like next to my toothbrush, so I could like tuck them in, like, all right, little buddies, we'll see you in the morning. Well, I had these sea monkeys, right? I go on vacation with my family, because I'm a kid, not because I'm a high, I'm not, I'm not like nine years old taking my family on vacation. No, no, no. I'm saying I went on vacation with my family, and I came home, and it was like a 
sea monkey genocide had happened in my bathroom. They're all dead. Why? Because I left and didn't take care of them. Some of us very much view God this way. Like one of the most popular views of God today is that like maybe there is a God, but if he's real, he's really left the earth to itself. He's really walked away from this like a giant sea monkey experience and just said, meh, whatever happens, happens. Right? First view of God. Second view of God. Mean kid with a magnifying glass on an anthill. Right? Like sometimes in our response to the pain, to the hurt, to the trauma, to the discomfort that this world causes, we assume God to be real and cosmic, but mean and cruel. That is so not true. I'll tell you why in a second. Third main view of God. And this one I think is most popular today. It's the view of God that I call like the cool aunt. So like growing up, I had like a cool aunt. And by cool aunt, I mean like she would buy me cigarettes when I wanted, when I was like underage. Or she would like let me watch a rated R movie. Okay. I'm using the word cool here with with air quotes because clearly that's not cool. I'm just saying sometimes we think God is someone who's just like, yeah, man, you do you. Like you got this. You want to you make a mess of your life? It's fine. I'll be there to clean it up. You want to ditch class? I'll sign the note. You want to go on that trip with your friend? I'll lie for you and make your parents think you're at so-and-so's house. Like sometimes we think God is like our sidekick, that God fits in our pocket, that God does our bidding, that God does what we want, that God exists to please us and to make us happy. This is evidenced by the fact that most Christians today have never shared the gospel nor made a disciple. Two things that Jesus emphatically, concretely commands us to do as the church, the fact that we don't do it can only lead me and others to believe that we must think God is on our side, rather we're working for him and doing his bidding, advancing his kingdom. So out of those three views, let me just say God is none of those things. Why? Well, because our third point is this. 1 John 4.8 tells us, God is love. God is love. This is wildly important for you to understand and to know about God. Why? Because he's not against you. He loves you and he's for you. Why is this important for us to know that God is love? It's important for us to know that God is love because some of you might have terrifying home lives. And being at camp this week is like the only reprieve you're going to get all summer from being around your dysfunctional family. You need to know this. God is love, and he loves you. And no matter who mistreated you, no matter who made you feel like you were less than than you were inhuman, I want you to know there is a God who is trustworthy because he is the creator, who sent his son Jesus, who is also God, to reconcile us back to him. And that is the greatest act of love that this universe has ever known. God is love. God is love. If you've ever wondered why when you look at a tiny baby and it like smiles and squeaks or farts at you and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I didn't know I like babies. Like, am I getting older? What's going on? No, that's the, that's the love of God in you, helping you to recognize other things that he's made. You might sit down for that number two spicy chicken sandwich combo with waffle fries at Wendy's, okay? I'm just kidding. Um, at Chick-fil-A, you might go like, wow, how is this so good? You know why it's good? Because God in his common grace 
has blessed you with taste buds and neurons that go to your brain so that whether or not you even believe in him, whether or not you even worship him, whether or not you even follow him, you can still roll up to Chick-fil-A Monday through Saturday and have the time of your life, right? God is love. What about this? What about a God, what about a God who is so wildly and madly in love with you that he would provide for you, that he would provide for you a week in the woods to focus on nothing else but him? What about a God so loving and kind that he would allow for you in his supremacy, in his deity, in his goodness, in his providence, in his sovereignty, a chance to spend one week having to come face to face with the truth as it is, not as I believe it to be, not as you believe it to be, but as it is, so that maybe just maybe you could come to know his love, so that maybe just maybe you could see these things that have been written about him aren't just true to me or your youth pastor. No, they're true to the universe. And God desires to know you. And God desires to teach you. And God desires to form you and mold you and shape you back into what was originally intended when in the beginning there was only God. You see, God wants to be in a relationship with each of us. And in order for us to fully grasp to fully comprehend and understand the gravity of that truth, you have to know that God is the creator of all things, and so he's therefore trustworthy. Two, that Jesus is God. He wasn't God's backup plan. He's not God's sidekick. Jesus himself, the Bible tells us that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell within him. And lastly, you have to know that God is love. And therefore, he loves you. And he's provided this week for you to come to know the truth of who he is in light of what John's account of him is. I hope that as you guys walk out of this chapel tonight and you get ready to have fun and maybe you go back to your cabin and you slip into your sleeping bag and zip it up and, and your head's on that pillow and everyone's asleep because you know your youth pastor snores so you got to fall asleep before him, right? I hope that as your head is on that pillow tonight, man, we got some snoring youth pastors in here. That one really got them. Uh, but my hope is that as you lay your head on that pillow tonight, that those, those three things pop up in your brain for you to think about. Maybe write some down in your journal. Maybe talk to a friend or your youth pastor about them. Because that's the truth about who God is. Okay? Let me pray, and we will get on with our evening. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love in our lives. We thank you, God, that you have provided for us a week at camp. What an incredible, awesome thing that you've allowed each of us to do. Would you teach us about yourself, straight from the source? Lord, if there's people here who don't yet know your love, I pray that you would come after them this week. That you would remind them of who they are in light of who you made them to be. We love you. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. Amen.